Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and once again, thank you for joining my brother and I for what is going to be a fantastic podcast. That I can assure you. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. All eight volumes are available at Amazon in paperback and ebook format. You can also get Audible books, volumes one through six, at Audible, Amazon, and iTunes, and I encourage you to do so immediately. And if you want to get a little creepy, check out my Exorcist series, three books, The Exorcist, Truth and Lies, The Exorcist, Diabolica, and Full Moon. Two of those are available at Audible and the other three at Amazon. So take advantage of that and make this boy happy. Kev, welcome into the show, my brother. Hey, Bill. How's it going? I'm doing marvelous, simply marvelous. Uh, when, you know, when you said immediately, it made me think of Dad. Remember, he used to say, immediately, if not sooner. You know, I really don't remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and what he used to say that, though, kind of comically, right? Oh, yeah, just comical, just yeah. comical. Yeah, okay, so it, it just yeah. dawned on me. It was a little comic relief. Yeah, it was just a joke. Yeah, he wasn't trying to uh, get on you, you know. No, no, no. Yeah, I miss Dad, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing when the parent is gone, you know. Uh, and then you look back, you know, it's a little empty place in the heart. It is. Certain things bring it back for me, too. Uh, I was uh, watching, remember that old TV show, Black Sheep Squadron? Oh, yeah, with Robert Conrad. Yeah, yeah. I was watching that last night, and I, I kind of, in an eerie way, I felt like Dad was watching it with me. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, I used to love it. Well, you know, he worked on the Warbirds in New Guinea. Exactly. So when the Pacific Theater fight was going on, he was over there with some other guys, and I guess they had a landing strip there, and they were bringing in the damaged planes. Yep. uh, And they had to get the boys back up in the air again. And those F4U Corsairs uh, were probably there as well, right? Exactly. Exactly. The Hellcat, uh, the Corsair, what else did they have over there? Oh, what they have over there. Um, well, the the Hellcat was a game changer. Yeah, and the Corsair was a game changer, too. You know, yeah. that, that thing had a huge radial engine in it. But yeah. uh, we should get back to the podcast, but it's fun talking yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might have some people that are into the old Warbird thing out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyways, what do you got in your bag of tricks today, Felix? Uh, We're (laughs) Felix the cat. (laughs) We're we're going to uh, some creepy stuff, some hauntings, Mm. and tonight we're going to go over to London. Ah, London, is it? (laughs) Yes, and we're going to visit none other than the Tower of London. I love the Tower, and I think (laughs) I think Spring Hills Jack lives there. He might live there. <laughs> He's not alone living there either. <laughs> <laughs> He's got brethren. Ooh, yeah. So so uh, the Tower of London is, uh, you know, one of the most haunted places or the most haunted place 
in the UK and definitely in one of the top most haunted places in the world as well. Wow, you know, I've never heard that before, and I'm into oh, yeah. the haunted scene. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, and it was built back in the 1070s, okay? Wow. Yeah, so almost a 1,000 years ago by a kind gentleman, your namesake, as a matter of fact, William the Conqueror. <laughs> That's a good name for William the Conqueror. I don't think he went by WJ though, but yeah. he was he maybe he did locally. <laughs> but William, he was fresh off his victory after uh, rampaging across uh, what we now know as the UK and he was from Normandy over in uh, over in France. And uh, he built this mighty castle, um, not only to look great on the skyline, as it still does today, but also to kind of hold the hearts and minds of the defeated Londoners. Mm. So London back then was just a big town in the UK, you know, but one of the biggest towns. And uh, when he took it over, it was one of the last places he dominated there, and he built this big castle right on the River Thames. Well, you know, I never knew that was a castle. I I just thought it was the Tower of London, like a prison or something. Well, it was a prison at one point as well. Um, It's where they also keep the uh, crown jewels. So, you know, you can go visit the crown jewels, the Queen's crown jewels there today. And it was also the only place where they uh, made all of the money for uh, the country until 1810. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting, you know. And, you know, it's called a tower, but it's really a castle. So, like, if you look at it, it's got a couple of, it's got a big moat. It's got a couple of series of tall walls, a couple of towers, in fact, and, uh, you know, and then a larger structure, square structure around the center. Yeah, and I guess at the time it got the name the tower because really it towered over everything else around the the city. Yeah, and it had one of the first uh, large towers that they call a keep, you know, K-E-E-P, where yeah. they, um, you know, it's like the, the place where the king and queen are kind of the safest part of the castle. Oh, that's interesting. The tall part, yeah. Huh. Yeah, so, that's, so that's do, my understanding, at least. No, it's neat, though. But So where does the, uh, where does the creep begin in the castle <laughs> keep? Oh, so first off, so let me, let me talk just a little bit more about this. So it's, yeah. you, you've seen the bridge. Um, that's, it's called the Tower Bridge, which is right there on the river, uh, near the Tower of London. But a lot of people look at the Tower Bridge. That's the one. It has like two towers and the bridge is in the middle and it's like a blue color. Yeah, I've a seen lot of that. People, yeah, I mean, it's the most famous thing probably that's photographed other than Big Ben in London. And a lot of people call that the London Bridge, but it's not the London Bridge, right? Okay. The, it's the, the Tower Bridge. Okay. And in fact, the London Bridge wasn't anything pretty to look at. And that's the one that they moved uh, the first one to uh, Arizona, and it's on the lake in Arizona. But it's, kinda, that was kind of an odd thing, wasn't very it? Very odd, yeah. But it's not—it's not a pretty bridge, you know. It, by you, Bill, it looks like uh, one of the bridges on the Parkway. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just like no, a stone bridge. You yeah, know, like a nothing. nothing. But nothing. now the the Tower Bridge. Was that part of the original construction? Like, was it a drawbridge that could be pulled up? It's a good question. So there was a bridge there, as far as I know, going all the way back in time. But I don't think it was like that bridge. That that bridge. But I, I got to check that out. Okay, it's a good question. It's a good question. So it's right there, and and uh, this castle, you know. It was like the site of, I know you never have watched the Game of Thrones, Bill, but uh, I don't think you have, right? No, I haven't. Yeah, the series Game of Thrones. I'm sure some of the listeners out there have. And the Game of Thrones, like it has all of these, you know, murders of family members between families and really just like a, a gruesome chess game. 
right? You know, where everybody's trying to get ahead and sometimes they get ahead by cutting off someone's head. <laughs> and, and when you when you read about the Tower of London and what went on there, it's very much like the Game of Thrones with murders, executions, and all kinds of torture going on as well. So, you know, when you look at all of the violence that took place at this location, um, it's no wonder, right, based on a lot of the other stuff we've covered on this podcast, why it's one of the most haunted places in the UK. You know, it's amazing to me uh, what people will do currently and what has been done in the past for the sake of money. Yeah. I mean, fame, fortune, riches, the power, detect- right, just general the- power. That's it. The detectives always say, follow the money. Oh, yeah. And it's as true today as it was yesterday. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and speaking of today and yesterday, so, you know, one of the groups of people that have seen the ghosts the most through ages are the guards that uh, have guarded the castle from ancient times all the way to modern day. And they talk about all the time hearing and seeing various ghosts, Um, you know, and some of them have been seen for ages, right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Do they still have or do they still call them, if you know, Kev, I'm not putting you on the spot. Yeah. Uh, Remember, they didn't they call those guards over there the beef eaters? They do. They they, uh, have the look of the beef eaters. And they have another name uh, where they are, the uh, guards of the castle. Oh, I wrote it down here somewhere. I wonder where that beef eaters came from. Yeah, yeah. Maybe um, some of our London uh, listeners yeah, could get back us, to us. Give us the name. But, and they have a different name. The ones that, um, the ones that guard, the, uh, guard the actual Tower of London, uh, they have a name that they've had forever. But they look just like the beef eaters when they're in their formal reds with the big black furry hats, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Super cool. So let's talk about some of the ghosts yeah. that people see. So one of the ghosts, um, and there's a lot of them. We're going to cover a few of them here. Uh, one of the ghosts is the ghost of Henry the Sixth. Oh. So one of the kings of England. And this is interesting. So Henry is believed to have been stabbed to death while he was praying inside the chapel within the Tower of London Castle. What a way so to here go. here the guy is, king, he's praying, somebody sneaks up on him and stabs him to death. And this happened in 1471. Wow. So obviously he was found knifed. Yep. And, and, and when they found him, uh, one of the guys that was very close to him is a gentleman named uh, Richard Plant- Plantagenet or Plantagenet. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh-huh. And he is known, otherwise known as the Duke of Gloucester. Okay. So remember that name, Duke of Gloucester. So, you know, a lot of folks believe that the Duke of Gloucester killed Henry VI, but they didn't prove it, but he was right there, you know, where he was killed. Right. Kind and of, I would know. imagine there aren't hundreds of people walking A guy could get lost in a castle pull off a dirty deed and who was going to uh what what servant was going to stop and put the duke up against the wall and say hey what are you doing over no, here No exactly and but you know not a lot of people are going to get lost and be able to be close to the king Yeah right while he's praying Right I mean you would think So Henry his his ghost is said to haunt one of the towers called the Wakefield Tower And it turns out that in the Wakefield Tower, that's where a lot of the torturing took place. Oh, boy. So kind of a creepy place within the Tower of London is the Wakefield Tower. Creepy because of all of the history of torturing there. And it turns out that Henry VI's ghost is often seen in the Wakefield Tower. You know, when you look at those instruments of torture, Mm -hmm. it was just... Off the charts, sick. Back then, holy cow. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could be an innocent person and they'd 
bring you in there and start just like tormenting you with all of this evil. Evil equipment and uh, everything else, yeah. And uh, just uh, the inhumanity to your fellow man is just sickening, you know? Absolutely. Uh. All right. So we got Henry VI roaming around after he was stabbed praying in the chapel. And another ghost that's often seen is a headless ghost. Nice. Roaming around. And she... It's believed to be a she, I'll tell you why, uh, is often seen in the area of the Tower of London called the Queen's House, where the Queen used to live. Huh. Okay. And the headless ghost is believed to be, in fact, Anne Boylan. And Anne, you may remember, was one of Henry VIII's wives. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And she was married to Henry VIII for three years, uh, three good years, until she was accused of adultery and treason, and Henry VIII ordered that she have her head chopped off on the tower lawn. Now, the story, as I understand it, is that Henry was a despicable character, (laughs) and there was no treason or adultery. He simply said it and had her head lopped off so he could go sleep with some other woman. Yes, that's quite likely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Nice guy, you know. Well, and you know, these kings and queens, they were from these families that were, they, you know, they didn't know it back then, other than it being fundamentally morally wrong. They didn't know the, uh, you know, the medical and chemistry facts behind it, but they were incestual, right? Right. It was always, you know, like complete inbreeding. Of the royal families, and they would be quite insane often while they were a king or a queen. Isn't that interesting, Kev? Yeah. That uh, in God's dynamic plan for humanity, that incest brings about insanity. Exactly. I always found that to be uh, interesting, that that was a a trait of ancestral behavior was uh, people literally losing their minds. Yep, yep, no doubt. Very interesting. And then there's another female ghost known as the White Lady, and apparently she's been seen for the longest period of time. And she's often seen inside of the White Tower, which I think the White Tower is where the king and queen would be, kind of the keep of the of the castle, so you can see already there's multiple towers. Yeah, right? we all, we're already going down three right now. Exactly, exactly. And the witnesses that see the white lady, they often say, even today, that they can smell her perfume when they see her. Huh. Which is pretty interesting, and that goes all the way back in recorded history. That when people would see her, they would smell her perfume as well. You know. Uh, I'm thinking now that the tower was always also used as like the last form of defense to protect them. Exactly. That's what I meant by the, where they call some of them the keep. Right. You know, because that's where they were. I, I think the name comes from. That's where they would be able to keep, you know, and keep them safe. Right. And they'd have whoever would come in would have to fight their way through whatever guards were there coming up. Before they could finally get to them. Absolutely. So yeah. that was probably a tough... And you're going t- vertical, you know. Yeah, that would be a tough road to hoe with people throwing bowling balls down on you, <laughs> lopping spears on you when you rounded the next corner, you know. Yeah. Hot, hot oil, hot lead, whatever they had. Yeah. Yeah. Scary stuff. Pet Bigfoot. <laughs> Fang. <laughs> Fang, my pet hairy man. <laughs> Maybe a Rougarou back then. <laughs> Sick them. <laughs> but all right. So, you know, those are pretty creepy. But perhaps the creepiest and just like, I don't know, like the, the, the worst, like the illustration of what was going on back then. Not that Henry VIII killing his wife just because he wanted another wife isn't bad. Um, the creepiest ghosts to me are w- who are believed to be the two young sons of Edward IV. Huh. So when people see these ghosts, they, they're, they're young boys, 
and they appear uh, and they look terrified and they're holding on to one another and they're wearing white night shirts. Wow. Yeah. So my question for you, Bill, is why do you think these ghosts of these two young men appear to be terrified? Well, because somebody came in. They were probably, here's my guess, all right? I'm giving it to you straight up. Sure. One, if not both of them, should one die or the other, would become heirs to a certain throne. Mm -hmm. And somebody came into their room looking to do both of them in while they were sleeping or getting ready for bed. Well, remember the good old Duke of Gloucester. Ah, the Duke is back. The Duke, right? Uh Uh-huh. Who stabbed Henry VI in the chapel while he was praying. Uh Uh-huh. Well, the Duke, it turns out, is known as Uncle Richard to these young boys. Uh Uh-huh. And Uncle Richard is believed to have either killed or had the two boys killed after he declared them to be illegitimate sons of Henry VII. Right. So there you were. Those two guys were heirs. They were his only two sons. Right. And these, these guys just declare or do whatever they want, and nobody can say anything against them. Exactly. Talk about tyrants. This is, uh, and by the way, this sounds a lot like a few of the episodes of Game of Thrones. Wow. <laughs> I can see where the writer, I'm not saying he copied history, yeah. but because um, I'm sure this happened in other places, other parts of the world with royal families as well. Right. You know, well, like you said, it's just power corrupting people. You know what it sounds like to me, Kev? Do you remember Monty Python? <laughs> She's a witch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Did you dress her up? <laughs> you may have done the nose and the wart. <laughs> She's a witch. <laughs> like these guys are doing the same thing. You just name it, and it's so. And who, if anybody was to say anything about it, they would be killed on the spot or thrown in the dungeon. Exactly. And and move quickly, right? Yeah. It's like swift justice. Boom, boom, you know. boom. Oh, he's dead. Next witness. Illegitimate. These children. Kill them. Yeah. Any questions? Anyone want to stand in the way of this sword? <laughs> no, I didn't think so. Yeah. What and a- by the way, when the person who's probably making the ruling is also insane. Yeah. I mean, and, just, and of course, everyone knows they're insane, right? Right. All of the sane people that live in the kingdom know when the king is crazy. Yeah, and people just walking around servants. Exactly. They'd be like, you know, quiet, in and out of the room. Don't even want to be known. Yeah, just like do my right? job and uh, get Don't out of this place. Don't even want to be recognized. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, all the guy would have to do is say, uh, what are you watching me for? Gods. Exactly. Take him away. Yep. You know. So that is this tale of some of the ghosts of the most haunted place in the UK, the Tower of London. You know, one thing uh, with uh, King Henry VIII, uh, they must have a good look at him. Uh, to identify him as being uh, that individual in particular. There's got to be something uh, known uh, via the paintings on the walls or whatnot where they say, oh, that's King Henry VIII. You know, now, not what, just, now, what do you mean? Well, when they say they identified this ghost and have seen him many times oh. as, as being King Henry VIII. Yeah, no, not, that wasn't uh, um, Henry VIII. That was Henry VI. Oh, Henry the Sixth. I'm sorry. Yeah, it gets confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah but Henry's. they have paintings of all these folks. You yeah. know, I mean, they uh, that was like the regular thing. You know, they would get get paintings, kind of like you've had you have photographs of the royal family today. Right, right, right. You know, once a year or whenever a, a child is born, they all get together and get their pictures taken, and that's an official record. You know. Yeah. 
So um, a- after the, everybody gets killed, they have a record of who used to be in the family. Yeah, maybe they have a big painting with X's. Ay, <laughs> What a place, the Tower of I'm London. Tell- exactly. You know, and to our listeners out there, we know we have a lot of people listening to us uh, over in the UK, Europe at large. If any of you have any additional information on on the subject of which we speak, please get back to us and let us know, and we'll make it known on the on the oh, airwaves. Yeah. You know, one hundred percent. I mean, I, I have been in the Tower of London a couple of times. I've walked by it probably twenty five times, um, but. I am not an expert on the Tower of London. I mean, you Londoners out there that are listening, uh, you know, definitely tell us some more about the ghosts. And also, please tell me, uh, tell me if you don't like something that I said. Unless it's <laughs> you don't like how I said it. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're speaking the King's English properly, my brother Kevin, <laughs> you'll have no problem. <laughs> But when you turn awry, my brother, that's when the fighting starts. Ah. (laughs) My friend Dool over in Scotland told me so. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Dool, we haven't heard from you in a while. Say hello. (laughs) Well, that was really cool, Kev. Really cool. Yeah, it's cool cool, uh, here. Like... uh, in North Carolina, it's getting cold, and it's nighttime right now, and uh, the wind is howling outside of my mini castle here. Uh-huh. And I'm kind of thinking of how creepy this was, like back in uh, back in London in this time, or even today, if you were roaming around as one of the guards tonight, and you ran into one of these ghosts, or all of a sudden smelled the woman's perfume... And we're like, whoa. Let's face it, brother. These were big, dark places. There may be an occasional candle or a torch lit somewhere here or there. And and dank, too. Yeah. Damp and dreary. Yes. 100%. Unbelievable. Well, so let's go from ghosts to something even more bizarre. With this following encounter that was brought to my attention by David Langhorn a resident of the state of Wyoming. This is what David had to share about what he and his team encountered while on a search and rescue mission. Some 27 years ago, I was a resident of the state of Alaska. It was at a much earlier stage of my life for obvious reasons. Although I am still an avid outdoorsman, at that point, I was someone who regularly pushed my personal limits of human endurance and perseverance as it pertained to outdoor living. I was a mountaineer and an avid hiker and had personally put myself into many a tight spot during my own exploits in the outdoors. On two different occasions when I was alone, I felt as though I may have bitten off more than I could chew and was in fact in fear of losing my own life in the process. But thankfully, I am here to tell the tale having survived by sheer will, physical fitness, and experience. Having said that, many others have and do lose their lives being confronted with the very same things which I had experienced, and this happens more often than most people know or even realize, particularly in Alaska. It is said that four out of every 1,000 people who come to Alaska never leave, In other words, they disappear from existence, many of which will never be found, and the reasons for their disappearances are never found out either. At that point in my life, I became involved in a volunteer search and rescue group. 
I was one of many who availed themselves to go and look for those who were reported missing in the state. Personally, I had been on four such missions, coming up to the one which I am about to tell you. And only on one did we find a man nearly frozen to death, having broken down on his snow machine while hunting. The mission which I now tell you about began with a call coming in about a missing woman. She was believed to have gone out into Denali Park, heading towards the mountain, but never returned. Now, for some of your readers, Bill, I know they are saying, why do people do such things, and in particular alone? Being one of these people, all I can say is this. Some people are driven by the desire to see what exactly they can endure on a personal basis, alone with themselves, and putting themselves to the ultimate test. This is a hard thing to comprehend for most, and many of these individuals get hurt or even lose their lives in the process of finding out what they are made of. Myself and the team, which was comprised of four men and one woman, were on our second day of the search when we were near the base of the mountain looking for trails indicating someone had been there. When we came upon a set of solo tracks which began an ascent up the northeast side of the mountain, we began to climb as a team. We were only about 200 feet into the slope when the very air around us began to vibrate and we all started to hear a sound which seemed to be that of a swarm of bees surrounding us. And yet, nothing was seen. Just the sound of a million bees and the sensation of air vibrating or pulsating around our bodies. It was incredible and very frightening. None of us having ever experienced such a phenomena before in all of our years of outdoor adventuring. We began to look at each other as we all realized we were experiencing the same things at the same time. This wasn't a dream or anything else. I can assure you of that. As all of this was going on, we began to hear a loud crackling sound coupled with strong buzzing. It sounded like high-voltage electricity, similar to that which is heard when standing close to a Jacob's Ladder experiment, for those of you who have done so. As soon as this electric crackling occurred with the sound of buzzing bees still going on, a mist fell over our position. The sounds alone were overwhelming, but the mist setting upon us, we were losing visibility fast. To a man, we began to descend the slope. Lori, the woman in our group, was holding her hands to her ears, unable to cope with the sounds. They were getting to the point of being almost deafening. She was trying to negotiate her descent without the use of her poles, and so I went to her side to assist her. It was then that I realized that the crackling sound was that of ice breaking and shattering both around and above us as small shards slid down past our position on the mountainside. The mist was intensifying to the point where we were standing in a thick white cloud completely unable to see anything around us in any direction. My heart began to race. Under most circumstances, people like myself and the rest of the group's members rely on our abilities to remain in control of our own minds and bodies. Speaking for myself, at that point in time, I felt like I was being absorbed in some, into some type of twilight zone, and I couldn't fight it. It was then as though things couldn't possibly get any worse than they were. They did. Within this dense white mist that had formed around us, 
a circular section of swirling gray cloud began to form, swirling around like water going down the bathtub drain. It was less than 50 feet below us, near the bottom of the slope, and it was almost hypnotic to look at. The effect was such that it almost felt as though it was a vacuum cleaner preparing to consume us, and not a single word was uttered by any members of the group during this time. It seemed as though we were under a spell or some type of mind control. I know, Bill, this is all very weird to hear, but if you think of my saying this is weird, picture yourself being there with us while all this was transpiring. I am now speaking solely for myself, because in the moment, I had no idea what the others were seeing or thinking. It was as if we had all been isolated from each other, in both our minds and in our actions. I saw a dark mass coming from the center of the gray swirling cloud. And a Sasquatch stepped out of the center and stood in front of me on the slope. I remember the face in particular. It looked completely evil. And it was staring directly at me, unmoving. I also remember that I was unaware of the presence of the rest of the team. As though in the moment I had been segregated from the group. I wasn't afraid. I was stupefied, being rendered incapable of thought or action. I gave it no thought at the time, but it was only afterwards when it seemed as though it had been ingrained into my mind that the Sasquatch somehow mentally or telepathically told me that it had taken the woman and that it could take me too. At some point, and exactly when, I could not tell you. This creature turned backwards towards the swirling gray cloud and dove headlong into it, disappearing from view. The crackling had stopped. The white mist dissipated. And I was left standing there with nobody around me. I don't know how long I stood there alone, but suddenly I heard my name being shouted and I saw the group coming up the slope from below me. As they neared where I was, they were all saying, where did you go? We've been looking for you for an hour. I said, what do you mean, where did I go? I was descending the slope with you. They said that when they reached a certain point, the group had stopped. And turning around to look for me, I was gone. It was then that they started to search. But my own recollection was, as I have told you, that they were all in the mist at the same time together when the electrical buzzing and the crackling had begun. And everyone grew silent. I'll be honest with you, that I didn't know then, nor do I know now, what to say about the whole crazy matter. I only know and recollect what I have just told you. The woman who we were searching for was never found. And I guess I consider myself the lucky one. For if the memories I have are true, and I believe they are, I could have been the next to disappear. Now, Kev, I have to tell you something. In a testimony which I penned in one of the books called The Drain, two women were presented with a similar set of circumstances in regards to a Sasquatch appearing out of a swirling visage, which makes me wonder, what is really going on here with many of these sightings, as well as who or what is presenting these creatures to us in this way? Yeah, that is, well, I mean, one, Bill, what a great account. I mean, that was super intense. Um you know, gripping, but boy, super strange, right? Yeah, you know, uh, this swirling stuff, this portal, 
it, in modern times, when I say modern times, I'm talking in my recollection, it brings me back to the Skinwalker Ranch, mm. where that creature was seen coming out of this tube suspended over the ground. It came through it and climbed out and took off. This all sounds to be in that same realm of this interdimensional uh, come in, go out, come in, go out, and we don't know where it's going and we don't know where it came from. Right. Very bizarre. Very, very bizarre and frightening. Yeah, yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, jeez. How about this guy, you know, talking about the sound of a million bees buzzing. That is so in the strange, right? Crackling. Like you're hearing the sound. You, you don't know of anybody else around you. You know, it's it's like you're, uh, you know, you're in a different dimension in some way, shape, or form, right? And, and then it's almost like he's having an out-of-body experience. Well, they in the end of it, they asked him, where was he? Exactly. But, I mean, he could have just stopped on the trail because of this, and they kept walking and didn't realize that he stopped. But, he's, you know, all this is still going on with him. Right. And the passage of time. Oh, yeah, that's that's the other thing. An hour, right? Yeah, they said, we've been looking for you for an hour. Yeah, one one thing I wanted to touch on, not not so much to the creepiness, but just the fact that these people go out and do it alone. Like, you know, this person talked about that they do it to test themselves and things like that. I think a lot of people go out and they do these hikes and explore and stuff like that because they don't have anyone to go with them, you know, and they still want to have the adventure. Uh, well, I mean, seriously, could I could see myself doing that at some point, you know, like if... If I want to go camping in the mountains and nobody wants to go for whatever reason, they have other commitments, I still want to go, right? You know, uh-huh. life is short. You got to go when you can go. Like, So yeah. I think that's part of it as well, why, why so, many do the, so many people do the solo things, which are not smart. They're not thinking of it as not being smart. They're thinking of it as being, hey, this is cool. Yeah. I want to go do this. But, you know, when you're by yourself, boy, there's no net. You know, like yeah, and you better let everybody know the track you're taking and exactly. how long you plan to go exactly. and when you plan to come back. Well, and that's why a lot of these trails, you know, not so much in Alaska, by the way. You know, you you have the little uh, book there at the beginning of the trail where you write in it and say, "Hey, it's Kev. I'm going in. It's three ten p.m. I expect to be out before nightfall." Yeah, you know. Now, look, if you're going anywhere where you're going to be gone a couple of two or three or four days, uh, you're in trouble already. Because if anything happens to you and the weather turns, you could just freeze to death right where you are before yeah. anybody even thought well, that's of why coming you need to the, You need the gear, you yeah. know, too. But you're right. You're right. I mean, like the guy, you know, you talked about that he did find who broke down on the snow machine and almost froze to death. You know, when you're riding a snow machine— you're not thinking about breaking down. I mean, not to make light of it, but it's like, how many times, Bill, do you see someone on the side of the road with like a boat trailer with a flat tire and no spare? Yeah. You know, they're not yeah. thinking about the fact that they're going to get a flat. Yeah, And they're not greasing their wheel bearings yeah, and et cetera, et cetera, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not going to happen to me. Not you know. Me. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, a guy in a snow machine... That guy could be boogalooing along at 40 or 50 miles an hour and really be covering a lot of ground by the time something happens. Absolutely. You know, he's yeah. thinking, I'm not going a day away or eight hours away. I'm going 45 minutes away. Right. You know, at 60 miles an hour. Yeah, over the snow. Uh, yeah, over the snow. Yeah. Not walking in three yeah. feet of snow. Right, right. Yeah, well, no, that's you're amazing. exactly right. But that was a really creepy uh, story. Very cool. And And it was uh, interesting because you started out that he was from Wyoming, but it was all about Alaska. And I was about to interrupt you and say, you know, we haven't heard much about Wyoming. (laughs) 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 So you Wyomingites out there, whatever you call yourselves, like start letting us know what's going on out there. It's a beautiful state. I'm sure there's some creepy stuff going on out there. Yeah, no, we always encourage people. And, Kev, you know, a lot of people write into us. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're going to get into it in the mail. Uh, Somebody in our mail, I think, tonight, Kev, I spoke to this morning. Yeah. 
So why don't we do that? What do we got yeah, in our list of mail? let's go to the letters. So uh, our first one comes from Barbara in West Virginia. She writes, hi, boys. I really love your podcast. Good balance of ghoulish creep show and family fun. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the Adams family. <laughs> doodle doo. Doodle doo. <laughs> They're creepy and the spooky, mysterious and kooky. <laughs> They're all together hooky. <laughs> the Adams family. <laughs> so she writes, all of us up here in West Virginia would love to hear some more about the Mothman. Really? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Do you think it's like an old-time Bruce Wayne superhero? Or or a demon that was conjured up from the underworld? Or maybe a bear? (laughs) (laughs) Keep up the good work, Barb. So, you know, it's funny. Like, she says old-time Bruce Wayne superhero. But you remember we were talking about Spring-Heeled Jack. And uh, one of the theories back then that it was some uh, some royal person, I forget their name, some marquee uh, that was uh, they were thinking might be dressing up like this spring Jack and have uh, have the uh, technology or whatever, you know, spring shoes or whatever back then to bounce from building to building. And that was a real line of thought. Absolutely. Uh, and they, and they which, really, they thought it, like, they thought it was this person. Like, there were several coincidences, uh, just like, you know, the old Bruce Wayne and Batman, right? Like, hey, where'd Bruce Wayne go? Batman just showed up. Yeah, and right? it also kind of brings a weird kind of legitimacy to the story. Oh, yeah. That people actually, according to them, this was true. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when we start talking about this incestual stuff, Kev, maybe this guy was out of his mind and thought he was sure. creating himself a spring heels, Jack. Sure. But we're With talking about we're talking about Mothman. No, I know. And, you know, <laughs> the, the point is, though, she said like a superhero. Well, if it was a superhero, Mothman would have saved the people when the bridge collapsed. That's true. That's uh, true. But they just said he showed up the day it happened, right? Remember the Mothman? Yeah, that was after after the original sightings, but he did show up when that big bridge collapsed and so many people were killed. Yeah. So if he yeah. was a superhero, he would have flown under the bridge, held it up with his hands while everyone was rescued, and then let it drop into the river. Maybe like Superman, flew around the earth backwards. <laughs> a number of times to make it slow down or spin backwards so time would go backwards. <laughs> and then warn people not to get on the bridge. That's it. So what do you think? Demon, bear, or superhero? I definitely think demon. Yeah. I think so, too. I don't think it's a bear, though. But obviously, Barb, <laughs> you're a listener suggesting that it's a bear. <laughs> and we don't clever. want to offend them. Very clever. Yes. <laughs> All right, Barb, thanks for writing in. And uh, I actually got a ski pass uh, a couple of days ago. I bought a season pass for skiing up at your big mountain up there in West Virginia called Snowshoe. Ah. I'm, I'm figuring COVID's not going away, so I probably won't be getting on a plane this winter. So maybe I can go skiing up at Snowshoe. Okay. And find a Bigfoot or maybe a Mothman. <laughs> Or maybe a bear. Or maybe a bear. (laughs) All right. Our next letter comes in from Michelle. And I think you spoke to Michelle, Bill. So let me read her letter first. And the subject is Dogman. Yeah. She says, when I was 13 years old, I lived in a town called Rosamond, California, located in Kern County. One night, I happened to fall asleep with my window open. That's when I was awoken by a strange sound, like someone or something was walking around outside. So I sat up and looked out the window, and to my horror, I saw it. I was so scared, I froze. I don't even know if I was breathing. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. This thing was bent over like a human, 
would pick like a human would to pick something up off the ground. Only it was walking this way. It wasn't human, and it wasn't a dog. I saw the long snout and the pointed ears that stood straight up on the top of its head. It was walking past my window, so I could only see the side view of it, but it was about 10 feet away. It also happened to be a full moon, so seeing it in the darkness wasn't an issue. Mm. This thing continued to walk across the yard to an outbuilding, where this thing stood straight up and went out of sight. I laid there as still as I could until the sun came up. It never came back again. I just remember how scared I was. Mm. I have never told anyone, with the exception of my now husband, who thinks it was my mind playing tricks on me. But I know what I saw, and it was real to me. I have had several things happen since, but none of them scare me as much as that did. Mm. Michelle. Yeah, incredible. I spoke to Michelle, and uh, if I mess it up a little bit, Michelle, forgive me, but I believe she said at the time they were living on her aunt's property, which was a former uh, ranch of sorts, and she was in a fifth-wheel trailer uh, the night of this incident. Uh, The full moon was there. There was a building which used to be a milk house for milking cows and a barn with like a, you know, an alleyway or a space between them. And she said that when she saw this thing bent over after hearing the noise and looking, it didn't look right because it was on all fours, but the butt was sticking up in the air like a human being would leave. Like picture an offensive lineman, Kev. Yep, yep. Crouching down at the line of scrimmage with your butt sticking up and your shoulders a little low. Yep. And then it stood up. And she said she thought she saw something that appeared like a fang uh, hanging out of the side of its mouth, but she definitely saw the pointy ears sticking up and uh, identified it as being a dog man. And then it walked between this alleyway, whatever you want to call it, space between the milk house and the barn, and it was gone. Uh, So I asked her, you know, if the following morning or day they had gone out to look, uh, and she saw some tracks on the ground that looked somewhat canine, but that it looked like whatever had laid down the tracks was like walking on its toes. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, it reminded me of how, you know, pictures of a dinosaur are shown. Like walking leaning leaning forward, yeah. Yeah, on the front of their feet, you know. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Uh, And she she said she had another encounter uh, out in the desert. I think it was Arizona. Uh, Her and her husband were out. uh, It was getting dark. They were taking some photographs. And... uh, she felt the creeps, mm. you know, the hair standing up, the whole nine yards. She then thought she saw something uh, that may have been a dogman. And we had conversations about skinwalkers mm. uh, in that vicinity and, and skinwalkers in general. Uh, and she said that her husband had the same creepy feeling and they got in a truck to get out of there, because uh, the roads into the area are kind of crappy anyway, and you don't want to be out there in the dark in the no, desert. No, And she thought on their way out, something tried to grab the back of the pickup truck. <laughs> but they didn't get their eyes really on anything or see anything tangible, not like her experience uh, uh, that night under the full moon. So very uh, creepy. Very cool and yep. very creepy. Dog man, I saw. Man, could you imagine something standing up tall like that and seeing the long snout and the pointy ears? I mean, like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Right? I mean, you're not going to mistake, like, it can't be a bear. It can't be a cougar. It can't be anything that we know. Right. Wow. And this is this is why I say, Kev, you know, people like to think they're really uh, ballsy or whatever you want to call it. What are you going to do against a nine-foot-tall dog man? Mm. 
what are you going to do against a nine foot tall, thousand pound Sasquatch coming at you? Mm. It's ridiculous to think you're going to fend this thing off. Give By the little, time you, you know, I think you just like bop them on the ears. Like, you know, you make two fists and like swing your hands together right on the ears. <laughs> yeah, hand clasps. But in, in the meantime, it extended its seven foot long arm and popped your head like a pimple. Oh, yeah. Whoops. Whoops. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. All right, that's good stuff. Great, great letter, uh, Michelle. All right, we're going to Europe, Bill. Okay. We're going to Francis in Antwerp, Belgium. Wow. Yeah. He says, I'm new to Bigfoot and new to your podcast and really enjoy it. I'm fascinated and I'm reading and watching and listening to as much as I can on the subject. Hmm. I've not made it all the way through your episodes yet, but I'm doing my best to catch up. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. The first one is, is there a difference between Sasquatch and Bigfoot? Hmm. And the second one is, are you going to cover the Patterson-Gimlin film? In a future episode. If you already have, please forgive me. Keep the thrills coming, Francis. Well, what do you say about that, Kev? Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any difference between a Sasquatch and a Bigfoot. It's just two different names. And Harry Man is like the, as I understand, one of the older names, you know, as it translates, that you know, that the native Native North Americans people would would uh, call it the hairy man. I yeah, see well, hairy man, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, probably all the same thing. Yeah, and the Sasquatch was an Indian name. Yep. Naming the creature, which got named basically by the journalists when that guy came up with the large footprints at that construction site. Exactly. Uh, and they just coined it, you know, Bigfoot. Bigfoot. You know, look at, look big at these feet. big feet. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, there's no difference. It's the same creature. Yeah. Uh, but what was the other part, though? Uh, oh, are we going to cover uh, Patter- Patty film, Patterson-Gimlin film? And, yeah, we are. Um, there's a lot that's been done on that already. It is fascinating. I think it's the coolest video that anyone's ever, you know, taken of the beast, although we've covered some other cool ones on this podcast. Um yeah. You know, so we will cover it. I'm kind of, I have a lot of notes on it, but I'm also kind of waiting in a sense in the back of my mind for something else to come forward on that story. You know what I mean? Yeah. To trigger me to do it. But maybe I just won't have another idea one week and we'll do that. Yeah. And the other thing is, Kev, uh, just to re-up on my own feelings that we always have new people coming in that don't know what we're talking about oh, from no a whole doubt about world. it. Yeah. So even though some people may, may be like, you know, move on. Well, no. You know, we're, we're rehashing the old and bringing in the new. And that's the whole discussion around this is the uh, glorious interface over a long period of time with all of these events. And uh, it's always interesting to me to re-up on the data stream uh, that we have to this point, especially with some uh, certain key aspects like the Patterson-Gimlin film. I mean, that's worth talking about numerous times. Yeah. So uh, I agree 100%. And every yeah. time I look at it, honestly, I it's not like I've looked at it a thousand times or something, but every time I look at it, I see like something else, you know, yeah, like a different angle to it. Yeah, it's a remarkable, remarkable thing. And the whole discussion around this uh, creature, to me, is just fascinating. There are so many uh, things and aspects and varieties of sightings and people who've had the sightings that it just amazes me that somebody can stand back and say, where's the evidence? Oh, I know. Just bizarre. The question is more bizarre, where is it, than it being true. 100%. Yeah. It's yeah. freaky, you know? Yep. Wow. Yep. 
Well, that's our last letter this week, Bill. So thank you, everyone, for writing in. And again, uh, as Bill mentioned and I mentioned, you know, if you like the Tower of London discussion and you have some other facts about the Tower of London, especially if you're a UK or a Londoner, um, bring them forward. Write us a letter. Write us a note at uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com under Contact Us. We love hearing from you. It kind of gives us energy, and uh, it lets us know you're all out there. And speaking of all of you out there, thank you so much for the great five-star reviews. Um, We're getting so many five-star reviews. It's fantastic, and they're really important because they bring more listeners to the podcast. The more five-star reviews we have, the higher we show up in the search engines and things like that. And when we get more listeners, we're able to continuously improve the podcast. So that's good for you, too. So please keep those five-star reviews coming. And thank you so much. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. And my friends, if during this week you find yourself tromping around in the Denali Park by yourself... Your snowmobile having broken down. Remember, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.